0: Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio.
1: I'd like to welcome everyone to our weekly edition of 52 Players. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Gus Garcia Roberts is the author of the new book, Jimmy the King. And it is a must get for everyone. And this is a book that I'm sure will be a film one day. It's an overview of a very complicated character, uh, Jimmy Burke, someone that we've spoken quite a bit about on on my show and and for different reasons. But uh, he is a former police chief that is, uh, I think maybe this is the first time that he's really featured uh, in a book. I I don't know. Can I call you biographer of Jimmy Burke at this point? Gus Garcia Roberts. Welcome. Uh, Yeah, I'll take biographer. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Frank. Yeah, well great. I listen, have has there been anything else written about Jimmy Burke? Has there been another book that mentions Jimmy Burke? Um
0: I I believe he's been mentioned in other books. Like for example, I think like Lost Girls mentioned him. Lost Girls is the book by Robert Coker about the Long Island serial killing and I think it mentions him just in his capacity as as uh, chief of the department at the time. Um but uh there's there's been nothing that I that I am aware of that that kind of really comprehensively ties all these you know kind of fascinated piece fascinating pieces of of his life and his arc together and that's one of the reasons why i I decided uh, I gotta do this.
1: You know, listen, a a police chief that spends 46 months in in federal prison is always an interesting subject. But when you when you really get into it and your book is just it's fascinating, you're getting rave reviews all over the place. And it's it's got to feel good after all of this time and all of this research. Let me ask you, how much different is the anticipation of what you thought the book would be like when it came out and and the reality of what it's like and, and what you you Feel like now? What, what's the uh, how do you differentiate between what you started out thinking and what you think now?
0: Right. Well, when I first started out, basically what made me want to do this was, of course, it was big news. I was at Newsday from 2012 to 2017, and so, of course, during that period, it was you know the uh, the scandal was kind of unraveling, um, concerning his his beating of, of Christopher Loeb over a duffel bag with uh illicit sex items inside. And I thought that was interesting. I, but I would not necessarily have wanted to uh, write a book on it, right? And, but then when I learned that, you know, back in 1979, he had been this, this like, wayward uh, teenager who was a witness in one of the most notorious murder cases in county history, the, the John Pius murder, in which a 13-year-old boy had six stones stuffed down his throat and his body was found in the woods um and then and then that Burke was then taken under his wing by Tom Spoda who that who was the pious Case's prosecutor at that time and that began his ascent to the top of the police department those two bookends like made me feel like this is a you know, the, the, this is a book because because both of those are just really meaty subjects to, to to dig into. And to me, it felt like a like a movie, like you mentioned. It, you know, it felt sort of like, remind me of The Departed a little bit. Um, and so as I got into the research of it, you know, speaking of sort of my expectations to how it panned out, I honestly did not, I wasn't prepared for what a kind of juicy saga this whole thing is and, and i mean there's just there's a lot of pieces of it you know i the basically Burke and spota like this thread's kind of run through the recent history of Suffolk County governance and policing dating back to the to the 80s and any sort of like um any any sort of interested person in Suffolk County law enforcement might know that that there's been very serious allegations of corruption in Suffolk County since, uh, since at least the 80s and, and involving uh, the police and coercing confessions and, and, and basically just doing very shoddy and dishonest police work. Um, and so there's a lot of sort of pieces to the saga, and, and I think one of the most sort of, you know, gratifying pieces as a reporter, uh, where I was like, wow, this is just great stuff is um, a lot of it came out in the federal trial of Tom Spoda and his assistant Chris McPartland uh, in late 2019, in which, you know, multiple, um, multiple detectives and others sort of testified as to like this paranoiac um, uh, environment when, they're, when they were attempting to cover up Burke's beating of Loeb from the feds and to me it just it was as good as any mob trial and really it, i mean it, it kind of underscored the fact that that this what this law enforcement regime was um essentially a mob family uh and 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 so just getting inside of the psyche of of police as they attempt to cover up a crime was was really interesting to me and and uh So, you know, I think long, long story short, the um, there was just more there than I could have ever expected. It's just it's an amazing story. And really, all I tried to do was was do justice to it.
1: If you're just joining us, if you're turning on your radio a little late, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Gus Garcia Roberts is our very special guest. And the name of his book is Jimmy the King. And it is a must read. It is uh, fascinating on so many different subjects, um, law enforcement's in there, the political aspects in there, and, and when you get down to just uh, pure corruption, it's it's hard to uh, debate on the other side that it wasn't corrupt. I mean, the the individuals that are in this book uh, spent time and, and are still spending time in In federal prison Uh, Burke's out uh, 46 months For Jimmy uh, Burke And I I think he was out Sooner than that Gus will kind of Fill us in on that But Tom Spoda Began his Five year term Along with uh, Christopher McPartland And and, it was kind of A trio A a very difficult Trio To kind of uh, Nail down And and really I mean It's the type Of characters That if you Presented it to Hollywood uh, Maybe without anybody Having any backup They might say You know Water it down little these guys are are too (laughs) over the top Gus Garcia Roberts once again is the author of Jimmy the King Gus what I just said there it's almost hard to defend these guys and I knew these guys and I had no problem with these guys like personally uh give us a little more on on the trio of Spoda McPartland and Burke and and how do they tie into your book and how do they tie into each other in your book
0: Sure. Uh, well, Tom, Tom Spota was, um, you know, in the late '70s, he was he was a sort of ambitious prosecutor. He kind of uh, was not not exactly like very well known uh, early on in his career as a prosecutor, um, but he had a knack for for sort of scoring the big cases. And one of them was he was like second chair on the uh, on the. Uh, butch de uh trial which was you know commonly known as the amityville slaying which is one of the most famous cases and uh, murder cases in american history and he was second chair on that he kind of like as i detail in the book kind of manipulated his way into being a prosecutor on that case and from there it led to sort of bigger cases including the john Pius case um and, and so he he kind of took burke under his wing Um, Burke was a 16 year old who had, um, a story to tell about what, what, uh, suspects in the Pius case who were his friends had told him. And if you follow, if you read the transcripts and sort of follow the case over decades, because there's a lot of appeals, his testimony shifts in really, really odd. And I think telling ways, um, and you know, Federal judges uh, uh, who are better authority than me have also said that his his testimony was inconsistent, um, and so you know what you have is whether it's true or not. He used this testimony as a way of sort of um, of getting in the good graces of of Tom Spota, uh, using his connections, his new connections as a teenager to the DA's office to uh get a police career first with the nypd and then suffolk county that he um just wasn't qualified to even become a rookie cop because he had a lot of trouble as a teenager uh and then and then start riding through the ranks and it was kind of like this symbiotic um symbiotic relationship with with Spoda and burke uh and uh frank you, you know you you play a role in it i would be remiss to not to not say you know <laughs> you're you're sort of a pivotal character in a part of the book where where burke um is called what i think you called him jimmy the whip right and he and he uh Spoda kind of tasks him. Spota's running for da in 2000 and and, and he kind of tasks jimmy with getting cops uh to go along with an electoral scheme and that scheme uh is partly described by you is um to get a a baseball player who had no uh experience in criminal justice to win the conservative endorsement for for da which would which would siphon um votes away from from spota's challenger and and really allowed uh Spota to to win da um and then you know the rest of the chapters the rest of the saga is then written so um you know like you're, you know, you're one of the incredible Characters of this book, I gotta tell you well, um, And I and I appreciate you sharing your Story with me, and, and I, I thought it was An amazing addition to the book, to get some Backstory on that.
1: Well, let me just chime in On that, uh, first of yeah. all, well, Gus Garcia Roberts is the author Of Jimmy the King, it's a terrific book Frank McKay here Certainly, I hate to, to disagree With one little part of the uh, Author's uh, take on that It wasn't Spoda's scheme, it was Actually my scheme to... They're Rich Thompson, who, who, by the way, I'm was still very fond of. Rich Thompson was a, a major league pitcher, baseball pitcher, and uh, he played parts of uh, three seasons. And he was a registered conservative. And I convinced him in the Peter Pan Diner and in in, uh, in West Islip at the eleventh hour. To appear on a petition, a conservative petition, to run a conservative primary against Jim Catterson, which we felt would take the the line, we we could win a primary, and with the cops' help, and the cops were registered conservatives, and we would be able to with Rich Thompson be able to take away the line from Cadison if. Uh, if Catterson, who was the current DA, uh, you know, he was the, he was being challenged by Spota, the, the challenger there. He was the incumbent Catterson. And if he could lose that conservative line, then he really would be vulnerable in the general election. You're right about Jimmy. I said he was the whip. He, was, he We called him the whip because what his role was, was just to get the cops that are registered in the conservative party to vote in the primary. And there were a ton of them. It's a long story, but they, you know, an early a sheriff put a whole bunch of, Pat Mahoney put a whole bunch of conservatives and his brother put a whole bunch of conservatives forward that were cops, that were police officers. And we needed somebody who was a cop to go in there and get them. And, and Jimmy Burke, uh, the first time I ever met him, uh, he introduced himself and he said, what can I do to make the biggest impact on this election? Which I thought was a brilliant question, you know? And this is what I said to him. And and by the way, it worked. And Thompson ultimately won by 100 votes or 150 votes. And he beat Catterson. And that was the end of Catterson virtually. It was the end of Catterson's run at re-election. And Spoda became DA after that. I don't say it with with any pride, but you know that's more of a clarification. Uh, your, your your take I on it. that is, is that a, a? I'm sorry to disagree with you, but that that was kind of no, no, yeah.
0: no, no. You're right. You're right. You know that it was your idea. I you know and 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 uh, or at least that's my understanding as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I love it, man. I mean, I, I love that you were. I love that you were willing to share that story. Um And you know, to me, what 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 sort of that like anecdote shows is is the the meshing of politics and policing um and the way that a guy like jimmy burke was was really more than a cop he was a he was a politician and then he and then later he was um and later he had politicians under his thumb um and and you know the the system the the electoral system in new york uh with its allowing of cross endorsements and and many other sort of things that that kind of put the thumb on the scale um you know is is sort of uh especially susceptible to a guy like jimmy burke sort of manipulating it and and uh hey the results in this case definitely weren't pretty um But, uh, but I, 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 you know, I just thought it was an amazing story and and I appreciated you sharing it with me for the book.
1: Well, listen I, you know I appreciate you you retelling it it's important and it's yeah. important to be truthful on these things even from my st- standpoint where yeah. it's not flattering for me uh, we, we're, we're kind of making a, a historical record or you were making a historical record I think you did a great job of that and let me just say too as a caveat and this sounds like the the political thing to say but I mean it we have great law enforcement folks in in Suffolk County Jimmy Burke and a lot of his his followers were not <laughs> one of them or they weren't, you know, they were terrible, obviously very, very corrupt, but they're, I, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush. Yeah. I, I'm I'm pro law enforcement. I think you are too. I mean, I think you're, you're pro good cop, you know, that's right. Sure. If Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I could add something on that, and I think this is something
0: I wouldn't have expected going into the book, which is, you know, you often hear that, that, um, the defense when, when, when a, when a cop acts badly, uh, which is, you know, it's a few bad apples. It's not the whole, bushel. A few bad apples make the other ones like bad, And I, you know, I don't know if that's, if it's a few in this case, but I definitely know that there was a few good ones. Uh, and you know, I'm, they're depicted in the book as, as, and none of them are, a lot of them are choir boys, right? I mean, these aren't, these aren't perfect, uh, police officers. Um, uh, but they, um, they believe in, you know, they, they sort of tried to put their foot down when they could. And and they sort of resisted in the ways that they could. One of them, for example, was like John Oliva, uh, who was a top MS-13 investigator who sort of found himself in the crosshairs of Jimmy Burke and attempted to leak records uh, to Newsday about Burke, and Burke punished him by by uh, by uh, charging him with a with a, a misdemeanor that ended his career, um, so there are a lot of cops like that in this that are depicted in this book that that sort of try to put the brakes on because they see how disastrous a guy like Jimmy Burke is for the department. But the problem is, you know, they're just middle of the pack police officers, and the really powerful people in the county sort of made no effort to sort of heed their warnings or put the brakes on it. And so for the most part, you know, all of those guys who tried to stop Jimmy Burke were sort of, uh, until recently, were, were sort of um, caught under his wheels. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I I actually came away from this really with a very good understanding, I think, of one, how a toxic department like Suffolk County under Burke will turn, um, you know, young cops, uh, or, or like very ambitious cops who have uh, might've gotten into the the job with, with like strong ideals. We'll, We'll sort of, um, turn those ideals on their head and turn them into henchmen essentially. Um, and also how there are those in the department that, will sacrifice their own careers to do what they think is best. Um so yeah, I I agree with you. You know, it's it's not, I I wouldn't necessarily say it's an anti-cop book. It's an anti bad cop book, I suppose.
1: Again, the voice you're hearing is Gus Garcia Roberts. He's the author of a wonderful book, Jimmy the King, and it's a, it's an honest book. It's a it's a harsh book, but it's 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 right on. I mean, I I've got to say, I mean, it's uh, people are skeptical when things are coming out, especially when you're going to be seen yourself. In this case, me uh, be seen in an unflattering way or whatever. But I, I think it was uh, it was well done. I think it was fair. And again, Frank McKay here, so much more important. Gus Garcia roberts uh gus we're looking at a break hopefully we have you for another segment here and yeah, that'd be great yeah Thanks, and, and and again jimmy the king is the name of the book before we go to break uh gus can you give us a website a social media site where people could follow along with what you're doing
0: sure my, my twitter account is g garcia roberts and so they can find there and i've been i've been uh doing my best to promote this thing so uh so they can they can follow along there
1: listen, everyone get this book. It's terrific. And as far as it being anti-cop, I don't think it is at all. It's anti-bad cop for sure. But uh, if if this is any indication, I know at least five cops or maybe more than that. I was trying to count while we were talking, maybe eight or nine cops already who got it and love it. And and the book just came out. I mean, literally just came out and they're uh, they're all over it. So uh, some people had a little preview, but a lot of cops, a lot of ex-cops and they they love i'll tell you what it's it's not an author's job to to paint a rosy picture when it's not one to paint uh anyway gus garcia roberts is our very special guest frank mckay here taking a quick break uh we'll be back with the author of jimmy the king gus garcia roberts right after this
0: breaking it down with frank mckay this is 1039
1: li news radio i'd like to welcome everyone back to our weekly edition of 52 players frank mckay here much more importantly jimmy the king is the name of the book and it's our focus and it's uh, important enough where i could say everyone go out and get this book and it's not anti-cop by any means. It's it's just not. It's anti-corruption. And it is it is terrific. Jimmy the King refers to Jimmy Burke, James Burke, the former police chief, and someone who has uh, been absolutely legendized, is that the word, And mortalized on Long Island. And you hear so many different things about him, and it spreads around, and now it's all over the place because of List, the Long Island serial killing, and, and, and maybe his politics in the cover-up of that. I don't know that he had anything to do with the murders, but certainly you can make a, a great case that he was involved in the in the cover-up. But anyway, James Burke did 46, or he was sentenced to 46 months, and he did that. He did that without a trial, and maybe to save his buddy, the DA, Tom Spoda, and uh, Chris McPartland, uh, who I should explain, was the right hand of Spoda. His public integrity unit head and, and, you know, everything else, whatever his full title was, it was but McFarland was a right hand of uh, Tom Spoda and very close to uh, Jimmy Burke, who became the police chief. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, Gus Garcia-Roberts is the author of Jimmy the King. Please get the book. Gus, welcome back. Thanks. Thank well, I, I mentioned about Jimmy Burke being, at this point, almost legendary, uh, iconic around here. And anyone who follows the Long Island serial killing, they, they talk about Burke. And so many people jump into automatics with Burke. And you mentioned the Pious case. And almost as a knee jerk reaction, people and a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about will say, I think Burke killed john pius or something like that and and again i don't know anything really about the pius case i just don't but i do know that everyone's knee-jerk reaction is to to blame whatever you can on jimmy burke you've studied burke more than anyone i know is there any possibility that jimmy burke had something to do with the murder of john pius um it's a great question
0: and and i I think i agree with you that you know he's sort of become like this catch-all boogeyman for basically everything bad about Suffolk County. Uh, it's Jimmy Burke's fault. Um, the you know, as far as the Pious case, I've never seen any indication that he uh, might have been on the scene at that time. I do know that that um, you know other kids who testified in the same way that he did uh, against the four four kids who ultimately were convicted, although some of their cases uh at least one of their cases was was they're all overturned and one of them is is no longer convicted or anything um the you know the the other teenagers who are all kind of like troubled kids who testified the same way that Burke did about conversations that they had in which these four defendants were or or these four defendants were um you know pseudo-confessing the they were you know they were sort of suspects and they were kind of like the usual suspects of Smithtown. You know, if anything bad happens, like that, they were, they were the kids that the cops would go, would sort of suspect immediately. They were burglars, uh, and, and they were known for getting in trouble known for doing drugs. And as far as Burke, you know, uh, Suffolk County homicide at that time had a policy, uh, in perhaps you could say it was unwritten, but I, but they were pretty open about it. In which they would just not memorialize suspects and interviews. They would not make reports of anything that could that would eventually go against their, you know, their like that could that could basically complicate the case. So if they if they found somebody they liked, which in this case was a fifteen-year-old kid who they interrogated without his lawyer. They would not memorialize uh, their interviews or their suspicions or their leads concerning anybody else. So, because of that, it's it's impossible to sort of know uh, officially was Jimmy Burke a suspect in the John Pius case. Um, but you know, I I spoke to a social studies teacher actually who who told me that that Burke sort of described to her an encounter with homicide detectives which to me sounded a lot like an interrogation and what burke told her was that they showed him photos of john pius's body or or they 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 were looking at it they the way she described it they were looking at 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 photos not allowing him to see it and then left the room and said don't look in that folder by the way and then when they came back and then when they left of course as I think most anybody would. He looked in the folder and he saw photos of John Pius' body. And so what that described and and what what that sounded to me like was an interrogation tactic. And and so I don't think it's a stretch to imagine that whether or not there is ever any evidence that um, Burke had anything to do with it because because, you know, they really didn't need evidence to consider somebody a suspect. That Burke was, may have been a suspect at some time in the Pius case. That said, I have no indication that he, that, that he was anywhere near the scene. And sort of like interestingly and, 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 um, frustratingly for somebody who was trying to get deep on John Pius and, and Jimmy Burke's involvement in that case, you know, nobody ever asked him on the stand, where were you that night? And, and I never saw any police report that sort of indicated where he was that night. So I have no idea sort of how, where Burke claimed to be that night and, and how he first became involved in the Pius case, first got on the radar of the homicide detectives. And he went on to become this key witness, really like the, the strongest witness. Uh, that they had, you know, as the case dragged on for 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 decades uh, through appeals and stuff, and then eventually, you know, he's not this wayward teenager testifying; he's a cop. You know, at, at one point he was a narcotics uh, undercover, un- undercover narcotics cop when he testified in in a pious uh, um, retrial, and uh, and they cleared the courtroom because they didn't want to. You know, the judge decided to clear the courtroom to not compromise his identity as a narcotics cop. But, you know, really what that does is tells the jury, this guy is telling the truth. I mean, he's a cop, right? I mean, he's he's not just some cop. He's a cop who has the courtroom cleared because of the sensitivity of his cases. So stuff like that made him, I think, an extremely strong asset to the Pius case, even as, like, the facts of the case, uh, the facts of you know, the the circumstances of the allegations against the defendants really just started to unravel. And I think the case became more and more dubious. He was the guy that held like he was the glue that held it together.
1: Jimmy the King is the name of the book and it's our subject today. Gus Garcia Roberts is the author. He's an award winning author. He's had an amazing career and he's with the Washington Post, if I have that correct. And he's formerly yeah. with with the USA Today and and Newsday and 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 some of the other credits to his name, uh, just terrific work. Investigative journalism is 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 his forte. And Gus Garcia Roberts has um, hit one out of the park uh, with Jimmy the King. It's getting rave reviews, and to everyone out there, get this book. It, it is a must get, and it's it, it's a real honest look behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Of of uh, corrupt law enforcement. Now again, we're not painting the people with the same brush. All the people with the same brush, uh, but this is uh, clearly corrupt politics and and corrupt law enforcement. And hey, look, you know, I was uh, I, I was a part of helping to create Jimmy Burke, the politician who knew nothing, uh, at least knew nothing about uh, any kind of real politics uh, he was just absolutely asked the perfect question a brilliant question if you think what can i do to make the biggest impact or something along yeah. those lines and uh, it's really a brilliant question and uh, and that's what he thought about gus garcia roberts once again is the author of jimmy the king frank mckay here with gus gus uh, what i i just said about jimmy burke and uh, what you spoke uh, about him uh, here and first half of our conversation what were you surprised to learn after writing this book that you didn't know or you had no idea prior to? And I mean, like a, you know, not just a, a tidbit, but was was there anything major that you learned about Jimmy Burke that you had no idea about before this started?
0: Everything, really. I, the the whole the whole reporting process was was really interesting. The way that I sort of saw it, it Jimmy was like almost like a. A metaphor for how a guy like him can gain power in a major county like Suffolk where they have you know one of the most powerful law enforcement machines in the in the country um and so there were so many little pieces along his path that just surprised me to see it laid bare you know one one example is um so as I mentioned, he's sort of like this teenager you know, that does not scream police material. Uh, You know, he's got a DUI. And not only that, but he didn't go to the court to address his DUI, so then there's a bench warrant out for him. And even just that is enough to harpoon, you know, a a police applicant. Um, But what I found is that... uh and, and and apparently the NYPD when he applied for the NYPD, you know that became an issue. And so what I found well, via a letter that was that was in some of the documents I came across was that uh, a prosecutor in the office at the time, Billy Keon, who was very close to Tom Spota, um, wrote a a letter to the NYPD saying, um, uh, you know. The reason why Burke didn't show up for a bench warrant was because he had to be a a witness in an ongoing murder case, and essentially implying that it was the John Pius case. But, and the NYPD sort of accepted that, and he became, Burke then became a cop, and then he later went on to Suffolk. Um, But, you know, if you sort of do any kind of basic fact-checking, uh which i did which is just looking through the transcripts of his case uh, of the pious case and when he testified you see that he didn't not only did he not testify like no transcript i saw showed that he testified that day but not only that but in some in, in, in one of the cases a somebody asked him on the witness stand uh why did you get a bench warrant that day why didn't you go to court and he said i had a roofing job to do that day so like even him on this on the you know on the witness stand he he contradicted this this letter that was written by a prosecutor and uh, keon is now obviously um for those in the know he's a very um prominent defense attorney in suffolk and i tried to reach him for this and he would not speak about that letter um but stuff like, you know it, it's stuff like that where it's just kind of a direct thank you from the da's office for helping him for for helping them close uh the pious case and it leads to him it leads to him getting this police career that he wasn't qualified for and then you know that's the sort of behind the scenes mechanism that continued throughout his career um you know another sort of Big piece, uh, which, which, you know, is kind of like the big mystery of Suffolk County, right? What happened to Steve Levy? Uh, you know, why was the DA's office able to push out an exceptionally popular county executive, uh, basically get him to agree to leave office without telling the public what they had on him, right? I mean, it, it's stunning. It's not something that happens in, in, um, in your typical american county uh and so you know the me digging into that and and i was able to get a bunch of records unsealed uh in federal court and while the mystery sort of persisted which i thought was kind of incredible because a lot of mysteries were kind of solved in the last couple years a lot of mysteries frankly like i think are addressed in the book and kind of solved in the book but um you know the mystery of what happened to steve levy kind of persisted which i think is somewhat appropriate but what i was because it just you know it just shows like that there are you know some things at the heart of suffolk county that, that that it just won't won't be relinquished right but so um one of the things that 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 the unsealed record showed was this alleged uh scheme to blackmail and aid to steve levy uh, b- uh, by um, by Tom Spota's DA's office, by alleged by by allegedly um threatening to leak that he was gay and in the closet. Um, and this was information that was provided to the feds by the guy who would become the top witness in the Tom Spota and Chris Burkartman case, uh, a lieutenant um, named James Hickey, who was kind of Burke's Right-hand man in the PD, and so you you sort of see all these behind-the-scenes mechanisms like that, which are just so slimy. And, and and for what it's worth, the the aide also his his lawyer has denied that that happened. And I you know and that could it, it could certainly be possible that 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 in fact that you know that sort of attempt to blackmail the aide was an exaggeration that Burke shared with Hickey, but either way, it just, to me, it just, that speaks to kind of the unknowable, uh, quality of, of some of these investigations and just the way that these guys were, were really operating so much in the shadows, so much with extortion, with blackmail. Um, and in a way that just wasn't at all accountable, um and and yet they were public officials all being highly paid by Suffolk County taxpayers
1: the voice that you're hearing is Gus Garcia Roberts Frank McKay here with the author of Jimmy the King and it is a it is a biography basically right I mean it's it's more yeah. than that it's a, yeah it's a biography yeah Jimmy yeah
0: the, the way that the way that I saw it is uh you know, if you read it, just just hoping to know like every if, if you read it, sort of thinking uh, I'm going to get a TikTok of of Jimmy Burke's life. There is some of that, but really, what it is is using Jimmy Burke as a as a mechanism of sort of illuminating all of the other um, people around him and all the other processes around him and all the other schemes around him. Right? I mean, he's he's kind of like um, he's like the Forrest Gump of 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 uh corrupts of corruption in in eastern long island right because he's a guy who encounters everything throughout his career and and because he's so good at manipulating people um he you know you kind of see how this works in one man which i how how all these kind of like unseen um processes work And uh, and I thought that was that was kind of his his utility. You know, he's a fascinating character for that.
1: You know, the confusing part to a lot of folks about the Steve Levy situation and or or maybe the the bottom line was Steve Levy doesn't give four dollars away without a a good reason uh, to give four million dollars away, you know, or to to surrender four million dollars to Tom Spoda. And to promise not to run, which trust me, that, that's his whole life was based around running for office and being county. He wanted it more than anything else. That's to me the uh, the big mystery is uh, is why would he do that? You mentioned because they were going to talk about his sexuality or whatever. I, I think a lot of people would say that the, the words and we trust me, we'd need a whole other uh, conversation to uh, to discuss this. But uh, the the words Ethan Elner come up, and I, I think that had more to do with Steve. Yeah. Levy never running and that was uh, his college roommate and his his best friend who who pulled off he didn't pull it off he got he he, he ended up in prison but one of the most evil plans that got 85 million dollars away from elderly people on their mortgages and he and George Gouldy did time for that anyway but I don't think Steve Levy wanted to be attached to that at all and I, and the sexuality aspect of it uh, probably had to do with uh, you know S&M and, and different things I'm not saying that Levy had to do but you know, a lot of people assume that if your best friend, your college roommate, had these these skeletons in his closet, that uh, that maybe you don't want that coming out as a politician. And you'd give four million dollars and decide not to run uh, to do it. Anyway, Gus Garcia Roberts is our very special guest. We need a part two of them, a part three. Anything that we can do with Gus Garcia Roberts, but get the book, everyone. It is a must get. And I feel like we're we're kind of leaving you hanging here because there's so much to to get. We don't want to spoil everything get the book jimmy the king it's called and it's out it is hot right now and it is a uh, just for good reason it is a terrific book frank mckay here with gus garcia roberts gus uh final word on this uh, we got about a minute left your final thoughts and again give us your social media before you go and is there enough for a second book and do you expect to see this on screen and again if you can wrap it up all in in a minute and a half it'd be great
0: yeah, well, I I think uh, I don't think there'll be a second book on Jimmy, um, I, you know, and and I think I think it remains to be seen. As I mentioned before, you writes Jimmy's kind of like the, the 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 boogeyman now, the guy who who did everything, who who the cause of everything wrong in Suffolk County, and and in fact, I think it's the opposite. I think he reflected um, the corrupt mechanisms that were already there in Suffolk County. So I think it'll be interesting to see. You know those new regimes, uh, both in the PD and the DA's office, uh, but this is something that's been in the water out there, for, you know, for for decades. So it'll be interesting to see sort of what what happens and and whether whether this truly is a new day for Suffolk County, and I and I hope it is. Um, and uh, and maybe there will be another book written by somebody else about Suffolk County, but I'll probably go pursue other subjects. But uh, hopefully. Um, hopefully see this on the big screen. I mean, you know, I, I, I would love to see, uh, Jimmy Burke portrayed because I think he's got a, a life that is just unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, take away, take away all of the, the sort of moral failings of, of things he did. And, and you just got to marvel at like, at the guy's life and 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 hopefully people will, will get that uh when they read the book and sort of pick up on on the theme that that you know this guy was the police chief but he was also just a mobster by another name And and if there is a movie it'll be a gangster movie
1: Gus Garcia congratulations on all your success not just Jimmy the King but certainly right now Jimmy the King is the the hot subject and it's a must get for everyone thanks for being here and and thanks for all that you do congratulations on everything Gus thanks thank you Frank bye Gus Garcia Roberts everyone has been our very special guest Frank McKay signing off Jimmy the King is the name of his book we'll see you all next time on breaking it down